Well, we can uh, begin our service by singing from Psalm 46 and sing Psalms, sorry, Scottish Psalter, verses 1 to 7. God is our refuge and our strength in straits of present aid. Therefore, although the earth remove, we will not be afraid. Verses 1 to 7.
and shall we pray? Lord, we give you thanks for the, the words of that psalm, uh, reminding us that you're not only a refuge for uh, one person at a time, but you're a refuge for all of your people uh, at the same time. And um, we know that your word is, is full of um, different ways of expressing that um, wonderful reality that we can even as a hen looks after her chickens so we can um, hide under uh, the wings of God and there's other similar ways of expressing that truth that uh, you are the refuge a refuge that provides uh, protection as far as our uh, souls are concerned and we, we do come to you Lord and as even the prayers of the psalmist where he asked that uh, he could hide himself in you and until the troubles are past uh, a picture of life in this world in general but also a reminder that there are times when Troubles are more acute, and uh, the sense of need of refuge is stronger. And we know that, in a certain sense, that's where we are at this time. And we just pray, Lord, that you yourself would uh, remind us that you are the refuge to which we can go, and that you would um, draw us into. Uh, this, your own secret place and and find the the comfort that you can provide and also the sense of security we hear much about security in our modern world as we know there's so much uh, uncertainty and uh, so many threats around and that's true in, in the natural world uh, but it's also true in the spiritual world and we have powerful enemies the opposed to your kingdom and in the mystery of your providence uh, they're allowed to attack and we know that you've provided us with means of defense but we pray Lord that we will be always conscious that uh, you are our hiding place and that we can just go to you and as has often been said that when Jesus uh, said that uh, no one could pluck his sheep out of his hand and nor could they pluck them out of the father's hand that there's a double security there and even as Paul himself said that our lives are hid with Christ and God that we can just see the, the double security there also hidden in Christ but also in God Lord uh, we thank you for that and we just pray that it will become more and more uh, real in our lives because we 
are living in difficult times to be a Christian. That's true in general, but sometimes it's also true in our own specific lives as as individuals and also as a, a congregation. We give you thanks too, Lord, for your your word, which is full of um, encouragements to us. And the psalm that we've been thinking about in the last couple of uh, Sunday evenings, a very well-known psalm, and perhaps we already know the meaning of its words, but uh, we need them to come to us with power, and that the Holy Spirit would... Um, so do that so that in our souls we would feel the, the strength of your word that the, as um, the Apostle John said when describing the young men that they were strong because the word of God abided in them and we pray that we would have that sense of the strength of your word in our souls and we pray that even tonight uh, you would um, do that once again no doubt we've had it before in the past when your word came with um, particular energy or emphasis and we just pray that you would uh, speak in such a way again into our hearts and give us encouragement you you are the God of good com- all comfort and um, we pray that that would be one effect of us being here tonight we pray too that we will be learning to value the Saviour more and more. We can uh, never value him too much. And and we need to know more and more about him, um, not merely uh, intellectually or even doctrinally, but we also need to know more and more about him practically. And we just pray that as we look at this psalm, which describes him in very vivid ways, that you would um, show to us just the, the balance and the beauty and the perfection that there is in Jesus. And that as a result of um, thinking afresh about him, that our estimation of him would be one that's marked by a sense of um, uh, honor and reverence uh, also of love and of commitment and we just pray that you would uh, sh- show us uh, Jesus uh, afresh um, your word points to him as he himself indicated to the disciples that and as he spoke to them on the way to Emmaus the two that were downcast and he pointed out to them that in the various parts of the Old Testament uh, he was revealed and, and that they could find him there and we know that in a certain sense uh, their experience was unique because he was physically present with them but we, the fact that their hearts uh, burned within them uh, was a, a sign of the effect of his words and we pray that would be our experience as well that um, even as we think together tonight about him that our hearts would be uh, burning within us so Lord remember us we pray you bless us individually as we go back to um, 
everyday life tomorrow. Uh, we thank you for the fact that the, the Lord's Day is often a spiritual oasis, a time of spiritual uh, refreshment, uh, an, an occasion where you meet in a gracious way with those who trust in you. And we just ask, Lord, that you be with us as we go back to face everyday life. But we also pray you'd be remember us as, we, as, the, as the congregation goes through this uh, time of uh, difficulty. Remember all those connected to the congregation in whatever way that is. And we pray for each of them. And uh, we pray you'd remember uh, the Rennick family and help them at this time. And we just pray that you're... I, which is always on those who trust in you, that I would be there and your hand, the hand that is almighty, would also be there. Lord, remember our denomination as well. We pray for each congregation as it meets and that you would bless them tonight and that that blessing would not just be limited to ourselves but also to every place for the gospels declared and that you yourself would uh, be we thank you for this amazing fact that you can be present with them uh, we have no idea how many are meeting around our nation tonight but you do and you're present with them all and we just ask you to bless them all in an abundant manner and we pray too for your persecuted church uh, who are finding uh, life uh, in, in their experience to be one a long chain of uh, difficulty. We just pray that you would strengthen them in this your own day as they make their own efforts to meet with you in whatever way they can, uh, that you would bless your suffering church. Remember too those we may know who are not well, uh, we commit such to your care and and we may know some who are very unwell and we just pray that you would uh, help those who are facing uh, that kind of situation and we pray that you yourself would draw near with your own uh, comfort to them so be with us in our service we pray you bless what was done already today and we just remember ask you to remember us as we have our service this evening keep the devil away from us we ask and just be revealing yourself to us and pardon our sins we ask for Christ's sake Amen uh, We can sing again God's praise this time from Psalm 27 and sing Psalms and we'll sing verses 4 to 8 One thing I'll plead before the Lord and this I'll seek always that I may come within God's house and dwell there all my days verses 4 to 8 
Psalm 23 from the book of Psalms A Psalm of David The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want He makes me lie down in green pastures He leads me beside still waters He restores my soul He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And may God bless that reading. We'll sing again this time from Psalm 89 in the Scottish Psalter and verses 13 to 17. Thou hast an arm as full of power, thy hand is great in might, and thy right hand exceedingly exalted is in height. 13 to 17.
Well, we can turn back to Psalm uh, 23, and we can read again verses uh, 4 and 5. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Normally, I'm sure we know that uh, verse 4 is usually linked to uh, the passing of a believer from this world uh, to the, the next one. And um, no doubt, perhaps we've been at circumstances where a believer was leaving this world and someone uh, suggested that we sing Psalm 23 about them going through the valley of the shadow of death. But uh, I suspect it's a, a mistake to, to limit the verses to that particular experience. Um, the, um, it's obviously true that um, when a believer is leaving this world that it, it is uh, a time when they go through the valley but, um, but I don't necessarily think that's the thrust that the, the psalmist is making here and um, it hasn't always been a thrust that's been made in, um, by um, Christian writers in the, in the past. Um, for example, in the Pilgrim's Progress, um, Bunyan places the, the valley of the shadow of death immediately after um, Christian has had his fight with Apollyon. And, and uh, we, if we read the Pilgrim's Progress, we'll know that the uh, fight with Apollyon was a, a very um, dangerous moment in, in Christian's journey uh, through this world, from the city of destruction to the celestial city. But immediately after he had the fight with Apollyon, Bunyan has Christian going through uh, the valley of the shadow of death. And he says about the valley of the shadow of death that it was worse than the one he had when he, when he faced Apollyon. And we might, I suppose if we were reading the Pilgrim's Progress and, and we just noticed uh, the, the effects of the, the conflict with the, the devil, as Apollyon is, I mean, how could something be worse than that? Uh, but Bunyan's opinion is that um, the valley of the shadow of death, as he calls it, uh, was worse than, uh, than a battle with the, with the devil, as it were. That there, there was something about the valley of the shadow of death that, that was truly fearsome. And uh, he says in the book, as Christian approaches the, the valley of the shadow of death, he, Christian this, at this time is on his own, and he, he meets two men running towards him who are, who are fleeing from the valley. 
because they've had a look into it and as they've looked into this valley of the shadow of death they've seen this a place of confusion and darkness and they, they run they've, they've basically given up this particular on the assumption that they've come the same way as, as Christian they've dealt with the battle with Apollyon but when they come to the valley of the shadow of death it's too much for them and they just instantaneously, instantaneously as it were just give up and they run, but they're running back into the world and Banyan says it's because this valley is a place of confusion and darkness and in his description of the valley uh, Christian has to walk along Banyan says on one side of the narrow way in the valley there's a, a, a bog and on the other side of the valley there's a, a deep ditch and it's a narrow road that's actually going in going along that Christian has to walk on and there's these two dangers on every side and it's dark so therefore obviously it's a, a place of um, problems and Banyan has a Christian as he enters the valley he has Christian with his sword in his hand which of course is the, is the word of God and and as we if we're reading the story for the first time we would say to ourselves well uh, that's the way for Christian to cope with this he's going into the valley of the shadow of death and what he actually needs is um, the Bible and the Banyan says strangely that the Bible doesn't work in this valley he says the only weapon that works in the valley of the shadow of death is the weapon of all prayer and I don't know if you noticed when we read the psalm that in verse 4 and verse 5 the sheep speaks to the shepherd whereas in verses 1 and 2 he has spoken about the shepherd but in verse 4 and 5 he turns to speak to the shepherd and that's basically what Banyan says isn't it it's the weapon of all prayer he turns to speak to the Lord and it's the only thing that works in this valley according to Banyan of course we're free to disagree with him if we wish but, but uh, that, that he highlights the importance of the weapon of all prayer and we can see in the psalm where Banyan has got this that in verses 4 and 5 he starts to speak to God to the shepherd rather than merely speaking about him and there's obviously a, a lesson to learn from that and if you read the story in Pilgrim's Progress you'll find that Banyan is as I said traveling alone but as he's going through the valley he hears someone else singing and what the other person is singing is the metrical version of verse 4 a man somewhere in this dark valley 
Banyan says is singing about going through the valley making progress continuing to travel even although there's the bog on one side and the deep ditch on the other side and this other voice I hears he soon meets him and discovers that this man is faithful and it kind of looks as if the Banyan is telling us that this valley of the shadow of death while it's a dangerous place it's also a place for finding fellowship and a, a place for finding the value of company as we journey to the heavenly city and Christian and faithful as we probably know they all went together from this valley until they got to Vanity Fair and where uh, faithful was uh, martyred but anyway the point I'm making after that long uh, long divergence is that Christians in the past didn't all regard the valley of the shadow of death as describing a deathbed experience but rather it was an experience of, of of life something that was just there as we uh, move along now it looks uh, as far as I can see that in verses 2 and 3 um, as we noticed last time the David is describing a day in the life of a sheep uh, the, the sheep goes uh, out in the morning following the shepherd and then at noontime he tur- they stop travelling and they rest and then in the afternoon they resume their journey after this res- the soul is restored they resume the journey and they led on the path of righteousness back to the fold as it were <laughs> it's a day in the life of the sheep a calm day I think in verses 4 and 5 he describes another day in the life of the sheep and this time I'll explain that in a minute but this time it's not a calm day it's a rough day a difficult day and we, we may say to ourselves well well, what day is this? Well, apparently, um, once a year, the sheep, after the winter, had to be taken to the higher pastures. And, and the way for them to uh, travel was to go through these dangerous valleys. And these valleys were known as the shadows of death because they were just ravines that they were going through and on the side of the rather small path well you could gorges, you could fall over canyons and and on the other side of the path there were um, there could be boulders and, and trees and high rocks all of which would create shadows in which potential enemies could hide and 
uh, leap on the sheep as it was being led through the, this ravine as it made its way from the, the lower ground to the higher pastures and uh, of course in, in that illustration we have a picture of the Christian life don't we we are, we are moving from the low, the low level of this world and making our way up the way even although it's a dangerous way we're making our way up the way to the higher summer lands and it looks like it's a picture of the Christian life now the as I mentioned a minute ago there's there were, enemy, there were dangerous animals there and David of course speaks about that when he had to wrestle the, sorry, rescue the lambs from the, a lion and from a bear and in the Christian life we've got enemies and uh, we'll think about that as we go through the psalm but, but the, it's intriguing how the Bible places together days of calm and days of trouble I mean one example as uh, so I was kind of thinking about this is take the expression that's found in Ephesians the heavenlies or the heavenly places I mean what does Paul say about these heavenly places well, you see, it tells us in, in chapter 1 that it's the place where we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Every blessing that we can think of that's spiritual, we find it in what he calls the heavenlies or the heavenly places. He then tells us in Ephesians chapter 2 that it's the heavenlies are the place where we are sitting with Christ. That we are exalted and united to him and seated with him. And of course, where is Jesus seated? Well, he's seated in the highest place possible. And in some way, we're united to him. We are not physically seated with Jesus, but spiritually, uh, we are seated with him. And the impression is given that whatever he has we have because we're united to him so there's what we could call two good things in the heavenly places we are enjoying every spiritual blessing and we are experiencing the benefits of being seated with Christ but if we turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and its section on spiritual warfare where does it happen? Where is the battle taking place? And Paul tells us it's taking place in the heavenlies, in the heavenly places, in the same location or the same area in which we receive all divine blessings, and in the same area in which we are linked to the risen Christ. 
and the, in that same space and who can tell its dimensions but in that same space we face spiritual conflict against the powers of darkness so the the pleasantness of the Christian life and the problems of the Christian life are in the same space and the sheep here he's got a calm day in verses 2 and 3 and he's got a rough day in verses 4 and 5 and the fact of the matter is isn't it that we're always either in one of these two days we've either got a calm spiritual day and we almost wonder if heaven has begun and within a short time we can have a cloudy day a stormy day even a frightful day almost the opposite of the previous one and we may wonder what's this got to do with a Christian life and the answer is of course it's part of the Christian life we have bright days and then we have days of onslaught and we have to ask on both of them not really the question not is how am I here but the question to ask is where is Jesus here because that is what the psalm speaks about isn't it on the nice calm day it's not really so much about what the sheep finds but what the shepherd finds for the sheep and on the rough day it's the same answer isn't it the same question what does the shepherd provide as he's making his way through this valley of the shadow of death now the, <coughs> the psalm does go on to talk about um, um, verse 5 of enemies that the, the sheep has but sometimes and I'm sure we know this by our own experience that uh, sometimes the danger in this valley of whatever it pictures is actually found in the sheep itself you know it can wander too close to the edge it, to the edge on the right to take Bunyan's picture a bog or van, van, wander too far to the other edge as Banyan says it's a drop and who can say how far down it goes and I, I sometimes wonder as I looking at myself mainly but I don't think it's confined to myself if this is not part of the main problem we have today that um, 
I just mean in general in spiritual things that we do go too close to the edge there's a story told and I'm sure you've heard it of a, of a I don't even know if it's true or not because sometimes these stories are so um, detailed that you actually wonder if they happen but um, the, apparently there was this coach this, this um, lady who was looking for a coach driver and um, the road to her house went uh, along the edge of a deep ravine and she was applying for the someone to be the coachman and she only asked them one question each of them which makes me wonder if it was true or not but, but the one question she asked was how near can you take the coach to the edge of the, the drive beside this gorge and one applicant said oh, I can take it a yard to the edge and you'd be quite safe and the second applicant said I can take it to a foot from the edge and you'll be quite safe the third applicant said I'll keep as far away from the edge as possible the third man got the job and in this valley while the sheep does face lots of external danger we might say but perhaps it's real danger because it doesn't stick to the middle of the path but just wanders one way or the other and the edges are dangerous So, having said that, I just want to look at two things from the psalm. In verse 4, we could call it, The sheep is confident and comforted. And in verse 5, there's the table and there's tenderness. So we'll just think about these two things briefly. Confident and comforted. Now, um, we can see from verse 4 that the psalmist doesn't deny the existence of evil. He knows evil is there. But he is so confident, he says, I will fear no evil. But he's not denying the existence of evil. He's just saying that it doesn't actually matter what kind of evil is going to be there. I'm not going to be afraid of it. And why is he not going to be afraid of it? Because we'll see, we'll see in a minute that the, the enemies that he faces are far more powerful than he is. Why is he not going to be afraid? He's not foolhardy and imagining that he himself has got some kind of inner resources that's going to cope with the 
difficulties that's going to come along. What makes him confident is the fact what he says there halfway through verse 4. For you are with me. It's the presence of the Lord that makes all the difference. As he goes through this uh, valley of danger, the valley of the shadow of death. But you are with me. The presence of the Lord makes all the, the difference to this um, sheep as it's got his outlook. As long as it sees the shepherd, the sheep feels safe. And doesn't matter what's ahead, doesn't matter what equivalent of the lion or the bear is there, because the shepherd is there, the sheep feels safe. And of course there's lessons in that, isn't there? What really matters in life is the presence of Christ. And he has given us great promises in that regard. Like, as we know, what he said to the disciples when he, from one point of view, it, it seems so ridiculous what he said to them. Go you into all the world and make disciples of all the nations. I mean, who are they? There's a, some fishermen and, and a, somebody used to work in a tax office and and just ordinary people and Jesus says to them you go into all the world leave your comfort zone as it were and go out into everywhere go in, they're, they're told these men, these 11 men they're told to go out into all the world and the only um, promise that Jesus basically gives to them is I will be with you all the days. And if we had heard Jesus saying that to them, would we have believed that they would be successful? But they were successful. The promise of the presence of Christ made all the difference to them. And it should make all the difference to us. I mean, the it's Jesus that is the, the saviour and it's Jesus that is the protector and it, I mean Jesus and this is not abandoning our responsibility to do what's right but it's Christ that matters he is our shield and our protection and in him we are safe and this psalm is just stressing that that those who have got Christ as their companion and Christ as their guide and Christ as their protector well they're safe and as long as the sheep can see the shepherd then that is is good for the sheep and that's where confidence comes from I mean we live in a world that's, lo- that's very keen on confidence and that's part of human experience to be confident but it all depends where our confidence comes from and they that know their God shall be strong and do exploits 
And the Lord gives confidence even in the most difficult of circumstances. Even if we are walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And everything is dark around us. And there's dangers on both sides. Who can we look to? The shepherd. The shepherd of the sheep. And here the psalmist in these two verses as he's looking at this journey that they're taking. He mentions the enemies that they face. And who are our enemies? Well we know who they are. We have three enemies. There's the world, the flesh, and the devil. And they usually work together. It's not that um, somewhere or other one of them does something by itself and then they take turn about as it were. But rather they just work together. And but it's good for us to just separate them to understand roughly what they're liable to be doing and worldliness what is worldliness? well worldliness is normally the spirit of the age what is the predominant ideas in society? What does the world think should be done? And worldliness can fluctuate. It can change. The, what was worldly to people a hundred years ago. Well we may not even do these things today. And the things that may be worldly for us. Might not have entered into the minds of our forefathers. But worldliness is something that we're facing whenever we're living and wherever we're living. But it's the attitudes of society around us. What they live for. What their hopes are. What their intentions are. And that's going to affect us. Because we're living in this society. And worldliness is all around us. And as Proverbs tells us, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And we can have a worldly mind. And be the most religious person around. It's how we think. Worldliness. It's a constant danger. And we can be caught by its trap in many different ways. And it's there. But it's in a sense it's the outside affecting us. But the flesh is the enemy inside. If we're Christians, we are renewed but we're not totally renewed. We are being sanctified, but we're not totally sanctified. And within us, even the most spiritual of us, whoever that might be, 
within that individual there's the flesh and the flesh is not our our physical body although the flesh will show itself often through our physical body through what we look at and what we say and so on but the flesh is just the inner remnants of corruption as our catechism puts it our remaining sinfulness and it's going to be there all the way every step through this valley that enemy is going to be there we are never going to get rid of it as long as we're on this journey and it's always an enemy it's never anything else and your sin and my sin it can explode at any time and we just have to be aware of that and there's a devil well what's he like he comes as an angel of light on some occasions with a big smile on his face and he can come at other times full of rage full of threatenings causing fear and consternation and as I said these three they work together and this sheep it's going through the, the desert the valley and its enemies are roaring and yet what makes it um, feel secure well he tells us what it is your rod and your staff he sees the shepherd's instruments and the shepherd's hands and these particular items they comfort the sheep and what are these instruments for well in a certain way both of them do this similar thing the, the sheep is wandering towards the edge how does the shepherd get it back well just strikes it gently with his rod and just pushes it back as it were into the middle of the path how does he deal with the enemies well with the rod and he you know the it all, the person using the rod it all depends on how much power he has doesn't it and if the one who is using the rod has all power then what how can the enemies resist it at that moment when the shepherd takes his rod as it were and his staff and uses it to force the enemies out of the way and Jesus well that's what he does and the psalmist says your rod and your staff what you use to correct me and what you use to control 
the enemies. These signs of your ability and these signs of your faithfulness, they comfort me. And we've always got to have our eye, don't we, on the fact that Jesus, according to the imagery of the psalm, is either using his rod or his staff as they make their way through the valley. He's active. He's careful in what he sees. He assesses the circumstances. And he can give us, if we're getting too close to the edge, just a, what we could call a slight measure of chastisement. And when the enemies are roaring, and when they're about to leap upon us, he just deals with them with one of his mighty blows. And therefore, comfort. And then briefly, the table and the tenderness. Apparently this valleys, these valleys are about five miles long. And uh, usually, the day before the shepherd led the sheep up the path he would the day before he would walk along the path and here and there he would leave uh, supplies of whatever food the sheep was going to eat so that when the sheep got there the table would be there as it were he had mapped out the journey and he knew the places where the sheep would be stopping to get provision because he himself had planned uh, those locations he had prepared a table before them in the presence of the enemies and these enemies no matter how strong they are they can't stop the shepherd preparing the tables I mean, the, the tables are there because he has put them there. And the enemies can't stop him doing that. And I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that these, table, these, these tables are the me picture of the means of grace. Both the private ones and the public ones. We're traveling through the valleys, say. We can read the Bible. Because the shepherd has put it there. Or, or we can pray because the shepherd has put it there. They are personal ones. Or we can go to the church services because the shepherd has put it there. Or we can have fellowship with one another because the shepherd has put it there. These enemies can't get rid of these tables. The only if we want to think about the animals in this psalm the only animal that is not going to take from the tables is a sheep that refuses to go there if for example it decides and it's just imagination but it decides to trot past the table or to ignore the table or whatever but the tables are there in this valley the wild animals can't stop it but the sheep itself 
I suppose in the illustration could avoid it but it's not because the shepherd hasn't provided it I mean it's there that's true in our experience isn't it all these tables are there and the shepherd has put them there for our benefit in this valley and it's for the good of our souls that he's put them there and if we pass them by we're we're depriving ourselves of the, the benefits that he's arranged at any particular stage And the psalmist says that these um, locations, the shepherd deals with problems that are connected to the sheep's head. Because that's what he says there, isn't it? You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. I mean, sometimes, you know, I don't know very much about sheep, and I'm always dangerous. Oh afraid of someone speaking about them in case there's someone listening to me who knows far more about them than I do but you know sometimes I see a sheep walking about with a branch stuck to its head I mean how, how that happened I can't say but you just see it and if you, if you think about it I mean that branch is going to bring some bruising isn't it to the sheep's head And apparently also, at least in the Middle East, I don't know about sheep in, in, in Britain, but in the Middle East there was a real danger to the sheep's eyes from insects. Uh, and as the sheep made its way along, uh, these insects would um, affect its vision. And when they get to this... Um, tables that the shepherd has placed for this journey through the valley the shepherd deals with the bruises that any kind of branch or something could cause and the shepherd anoints the sheep's head with oil to deal with the effects of the insects and clears away the whatever the, these insects have left on the sheep's head and he does it so gently rubs the oil and we may imagine that the oil pictures the Holy Spirit and maybe it does but I think it's more that the psalm is highlighting the skill of the shepherd that he can deal gently with the sheep with all the consequences of it having to walk through this dark valley I mean I don't know if if a sheep can see insects coming towards it I have no idea but they get there somehow and the sheep can't get rid of them and the shepherd 
he's provided tables and at each of these tables he deals with the problems that occur on the journey and he just treats the bruises and he gets rid of these um, things that are affecting the sheep's eyesight and they start to see better and is that not the case when we read the Bible and when we pray and when we go to church and when we have fellowship that we see things better but if we don't go to them according to the psalm if we don't go to them the shepherd won't come to us with the oil is that the place where the tables are that he deals with the defects and therefore we have to make use of all these tables as we travel along I'll stop in a minute but what's the outcome of this of this meal however many there happens to be in the walk through the valley what is the outcome of this well he says my cup overflows and I think he's um, we have to put ourselves into the, the shoes of the ancient Israelites I mean when when they were sitting down to a meal they didn't take tea or coffee I mean they had wine and wine is a symbol of joy and, and he says my cup and he's mixing the metaphors I know that but there in the desert in the valley sorry this meal is provided for the sheep and as he sheep participates joy starts to overflow and the valley of danger and the valley of darkness becomes a place where divine joy is abundant in the congregation I was at before Great Friars there was a lady who once described her experience as her cup was overflowing and she was drinking out of the saucer I think she got the imagery wrong because it wasn't a cup that we have but I think she got the message right that this joy when we participate at the tables that the shepherd provides even though it's a dark gloomy valley he can give joy that just overflows so here we are stop with this but you may be having a calm day as a sheep but even if you are one day you'll have a stormy day and we may be having a stormy day and we wish we were on a calm day and we can understand that but the reality is on the stormy days 
We have to keep our eyes on the shepherd and to see what he can do as we go through the valley of the shadow of death ascending from the lower plains to the higher plains the shepherd will take us through the valley that's the message of these verses shall we pray Lord we, we give you thanks that whatever we find ourselves in your providence and in your providence there may be a, as the psalm has a calm day where we walk beside the still waters or it may be a difficult day as we walk in a path on which one side is a bog and the other side is a deep gorge and we can't really see that far ahead but we thank you Lord for the the tables that you provide on this journey tables that deal with our need of nutrition but also where we find that the shepherd is also a physician who can heal and deal with the the issues that come our way from walking through the valley and we pray that we would find that these spiritual locations we would find that the shepherd's provision found in your word and as we pray to you and as we meet together and as fellowship is shared that we would find them to be places where our cup overflows Lord we pray that you would do so not because we deserve it but because you are the God who is full of grace and we just ask you Lord to fulfill in our lives the experiences described in this psalm so remember us we pray and pardon us we ask for Christ's sake Amen We'll sing from uh, Psalm 132 in the Scottish Psalter, verses 13 to 18. For God of Zion has made choice, there he desires to dwell. This is my rest, here still I'll stay, for I do like it well.
May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us.